time for the third installment of our Missing 411 series. Today, we'll review the odd patterns and details that investigator David Politis has found in his research of over 2,000 unexplained missing person cases. Then, we'll look at six bizarre and creepy disappearances that have occurred in some of our national parks and discuss why the FBI may have been involved in some. In short, today's episode is the third installment of our PSAs on why you should never, ever go outside. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought you'd already heard the last of our most popular series to date, stick around. The third and final installment is bound to leave you with more questions than answers. This is Necronomapod. A group, a family was camping near Tabletop Mountain, bottom of the canyon, and the family went out to do some fishing. Kathy Simon, 15, she was just going to hang out at camp. Well, they came back and she was gone. Didn't make any sense to anybody because she was a real stable, nice girl, followed her mom and dad's orders. The family couldn't believe she left. Huge search starts. And they bring in some of the best bloodhounds from the state, some from the penitentiary. They search for two weeks, they don't find anything. A week after the search ends, some other people, also camping, go to the top of Cottonwood Canyon, way higher in elevation, miles away from where she disappeared, and they find her body. So as Dave alluded to in the uh, intro there, uh, perhaps the uh, finale of our most popular series of episodes we've ever done? I think so. Download-wise, I think the first two are the top, right? Or at least number one is. Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Part two, I think, was a top five. Or people dig that stuff. People download it every day. Which I didn't expect it to be that big. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was that popular. No, I didn't either. It's just so creepy, man. I just even reading these news stories just makes my spine tingle. There's one in here we're going to get to that when I was thinking about it, it was like really hurting my head. I don't understand right. any of this. Like, how is any of this? There's no explanation for mm-hmm. these might part. be of all the, the three parts we've done. This might be the creepiest few stories we have. I think of, of like the whole the whole batch. I agree. And I think why people relate to it is because most people, not most, but a majority of people have been hiking at one point or another in their life and they can put themselves in the shoes of someone just on a trail. Right. And just disappearing. It's terrifying. There's a lot of empathy, I think, for, you know, having been in that situation yourself. And I think the, you know, part of the reason why this will be the, maybe the final one, Ian, you were saying is just research wise, you're just hard to find more stories. Yeah, and last time we focused on uh, feral people or wild men as like a a reason for it. With this one, I wanted to focus on um, the alien aspect of it, like those series, but there really isn't anything out there enough to to write about, really, other than people mm-hmm. are like, oh yeah, UFOs did it, because missing four one one, nowhere, no one ever comes back. You know what I mean? Sure. So. Um, but in the course of that, I actually found a future episode. This guy named Butch Wachowski um, wrote a book and did a bunch of stuff on alien human mutilation. Oh, shit. Yeah. Cattle mutilations, but people. Doesn't sound pleasant. No. It's like when they mutilated Barney Hill's asshole. <laughs> <laughs> does that count? I think so. <laughs> well, I'm sure it does. <laughs> but, you know... 
you you said that you know with the the missing four one one they're never found. We're gonna get to one tonight where they found somebody. Yeah, which is just even creepier. I think we talked about one maybe early on. That little kid they found at the top of the mountain. Right. Like 20, 30 miles away. It's like a five-year-old. Like that was way up high. Way up. Yeah. Like there was no possible explanation for it. Well, this one I think is going to be wild just like that. I'm telling you, the, the, we have six stories tonight, I think. They're creepy. They're fucking super creepy. Yeah. Because like Ian and I were talking before we even started, like the one almost seems... Like it might get like, in, you know, it could be feral people fucking trolling like the, the authorities and people searching. Yeah. It's just wild. And, and there's a limited number of cases where there's been extensive research where, you know, you could do an actual show on it, but there's so many people. Right. And we don't really don't know because, you know, the parks, they don't keep a, a number for that. And we talked about that. Yeah. Like their record keeping is not good. I was just, I, when I was looking at this, I don't know where this stat comes from, but 600,000 people go missing in this country every year. 600,000. I mean, most of them are found, but then they also find 4,400 unidentified corpses in this country every year. That's a large number. That, yeah, that really is. 4,500, you said? 4,400 unidentified corpses. And that means they could never identify them. No, like the number goes down after a year or so eventually, but still the number after <sighs> after that remain unidentified after a year has elapsed is still pretty large. Maybe they're finally going to uh, find a bunch on the, like the eastern uh, coast, and they're going to be like, oh, Pee Wee Gaskins was right. He really did the coastal <laughs> killings. We just didn't know till now. Yeah. So... I don't know, but why don't uh, you want to recap a little bit? Yeah, so like you brought up in the intro, David Politis is the guy that brought this to the forefront, and he noted some specific things that he was looking for because there's, like you said, Dave, there's thousands of people that go missing a year, and what he was looking for were people that fit a certain criteria, you know, mm -hmm. there's no foul play or anything like that. So what he's found in these cases where search dogs behave strangely. Oftentimes dogs cannot pick up a scent or they refuse to. In some cases, they begin tracking only to lay down and stop searching like that person just vanished into thin air. The person's body is found in an area that had been searched before. In a lot of these cases, the missing person appears in a location that has been thoroughly searched dozens of times. In some cases, the person's body just shows up on a main trail that's used on a daily basis. There might be hope for you finding the clip, Mike, because like it's an area you've searched <laughs> numerous times, and so maybe and one day it'll there. turn up for you. <laughs> I'm like the dogs. Sniff around a while, then I just lay there. <laughs> it's not here. Like the dog's like, what do you want from me? Like there, There's nothing here. I'm just going to lay here, and I'm going to you know, lick my own balls and just go to sleep. Exact same thing I do. Uh, people are traveling uphill instead of downhill. The missing person is oftentimes found at high elevations like mountain peaks. Frequently, the person will travel a large number of miles through treacherous terrain in a period of time that is more than likely impossible. Yeah, like if you're lost and you're trying to get back, you're not climbing uphill, right? Right. I mean, sometimes I, I guess the, the situation would dictate that, but not most of the time. No, and these are very steep hills yeah, and like, mountains fuck that. yeah but you would just know you're like well i don't i yeah, didn't not come rescue from me at the mountaintop yeah. yeah i didn't fall down that so i'm not gonna <laughs> climb up <laughs> right. it's just common sense yeah 
the missing person's clothing is found in almost perfect condition, even after being even after years of being missing. Uh, some cases have found the clothes have been folded in a neat pile. Just very strange stuff with the clothes. Like that lends credence to the alien abductions that like these, you know, wasn't sitting out there in the woods for this long. Right. In part one, we talked about that little boy that went missing and one of his shoes was found like four years later right. and it was like perfect. perfectly fine. Yeah. Right. At the top of a hill. I think. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. way up. <laughs> also, if you're lost and panicked in the forest, are you really going to take your pants off and fold them neatly? Exactly. I didn't know what to do. I panicked. So I took my pants off. <laughs> I want to ruin my crease. Yeah. I didn't know what else to do. If the missing person is found alive, they oftentimes have no memory of what happened or very blurry memory. A high number of these missing cases are people who vanished near boulder fields or large areas of granite. Yosemite National Park has the highest amount of unexplained cases, and that is the largest source of granite on Earth. I didn't know that. Hmm. Missing people are often found near bodies of water. The average distance away from a body of water is about 150 miles away. And another reoccurring theme that David Plaitis has noted is that people go missing while they were said to be picking berries. Happens a lot. Search and rescue planes or helicopters have malfunctions during the search. One of the most reoccurring of all of these cases are those in a group who happen to be last in line. Others who were with the missing report seeing them seconds before and then suddenly just gone like they vanished without a trace. No one ever reports hearing any sounds such as a gasp or scream or animals. It's a lot of those you would expect that at least one other person in their party would hear something like if you're in a, a group and you're walking in a straight line and the last person falls over the cliff or is attacked by a lion or, or whatever. Anything. You would expect someone to hear them scream. Right. The but next person Even their in footprints line. like on twigs or yeah. leaves. Something. Like walking. Yeah. It's not like it's, you know, you're completely quiet. Yeah. Let alone abducted or attacked mm-hmm. or fall. Mm-hmm. One of the blanket explanations for these is cougar attacks. But there are only 27 documented fatal cases in North America in the past hundred years. Cougars attack Mike every time he's out at the bar. Yeah. That's literally the sentence that was about to come out of my mouth. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> That's weird. I was literally about to say every time I'm at the bar, I get attacked by cougars. I don't know what you guys are talking about. It happens. <laughs> Still real to me. Damn it. So I thought to set the mood, I, I, I pulled on that clip of the Sierra sounds which was supposedly those feral people talking that the guys recorded. I thought yeah. to get us in the mood, maybe we'd listen to that old clip again. Was this that so goddamn terrifying? Was that from a missing four one one? Or was that the from last one, the one? Art Bell calls we we no because Art Bell wouldn't have had the sounds. It was just someone describing it. It was part yeah. two of this, the last yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the uh, guy was. Uh, it happened in the seventies, mm-hmm. I believe. In. Uh, it's debated if it's a lot of people say it's Bigfoot. There's people that use it right. as examples. Yeah, we debunk that one, so no, it's not. Yeah, it's her people. We made it very clear Bigfoot. But like exist. linguists listen to it and stuff, and they said it's definitely some sort of communication between something. Something. Yeah. yeah. That was a, I can't remember that guy's name, but he was a Navy linguist. He was what? a cunning why, linguist. Why do you have to? <laughs> he, figured, he figured all this out. <laughs> Back to the bottom of it. <laughs> You guys want to listen to it? Let's play it. Let's creep some people out. 
We're in for night view. Oh, 
I forgot that one of these guys was a joker and was trying to imitate <laughs> yeah. everything. Well, can you imagine hearing that in the wilderness and you're mocking them? Fuck no, man. Shut up. What are you doing? Yeah. Cause it's like, you're going to know the, you know, the terrain better than them. Even if it's like, you know, dark out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard at the end there, he said, he just saw him. Like he had a visual on these guys. He said two down by the like Creek, right? Yeah, and they said, I saw a guy just go through there. The voices at the end are so fucking scary. I, I it yeah, clearly like, sounds like a man. Like mm-hmm. the howling is creepy, but like the actual like talking yeah. is nuts. Whether it's Bigfoot or feral people, either way, it's fucking Something's scary. There, right? yeah. Well, it's not Bigfoot, but. <laughs> Mike's anti-Bigfoot. <laughs> it's like pissing off those people that got all fired up at us. Look, just because of the silly video in the 60s was not real, doesn't mean Bigfoot's not real. I'm a Bigfoot believer. You should see Dave when he goes to, we take him to these local pro wrestling events. He just walks up to fans. You know what? Shit's not real, right? <laughs> he didn't even fucking hit him in the head. Everyone <laughs> fucking all the people chase him out of the venue. So getting into some of these new cases, Catherine Van Arst. Um, in 1946, the Van Arst family visited Devil's Den State Park in West Fork, Arkansas to have a family camping trip. One afternoon, eight-year-old Catherine Van Arst got on her bathing suit and joined her brothers at a creek near their campsite. Her father and brothers were fishing, and Catherine was splashing around in the water. And according to her father and brothers, they turned away for what they said was just a couple minutes, and when they looked back, Catherine was gone. Their campsite wasn't too far away, so her father thought that she probably just ran back to camp because she got bored. Once her father got back to camp, he quickly realized that Catherine didn't go back to camp and that her mother never saw her. The family spread out calling for Catherine but got no response, so they reached out to the park rangers and a search was organized. Is this one of the earliest ones? I know that one we were talking about a second ago was way back when, 30s or 40s, but it's a pretty early one. Which one? It's got to be one of the first, one of the earliest. What were you talking about? Which one was the 30s? There was one in the Smoky Mountains that was way back in the early days. And that one with the little kid they found way at the top of the mountain. Yeah. Like the 30s or 40s. It was a long time ago. After six days of intense searching with no sign of Catherine, it was getting time to scale down the search. At that that point, you you assume she's dead, right? Like, yeah, family, six days. You didn't find a little kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think... Most of these searches scale down after seven days. Yeah, because, I mean, you probably don't give up hope, but, like, you have to, right. you know. The probability realist declines, about it, you're yeah. probably thinking, like, okay, this is, this is not good. Because a little kid can't survive out in the wild by themselves like that. Even the Casey Anthony searches, I mean, that's one yeah. of the most popular cases ever. Those got scaled back sure. eventually. So. I don't know that story. Never heard of it? I'll have to do that one one day. <laughs> On that sixth day, one of the searchers was walking by a cave and out of nowhere came Catherine and she was very calm and said, quote, here I am. This cave where Catherine was found 30 miles away and there was no clear path to get there because of the harsh terrain. It was really zigzaggy kind of like no trail. Mm. This cave was also 600 feet higher than the creek where she was last seen. So it sounds like it's impossible for an eight year old girl wearing a bathing suit and no shoes to get to that cave. Catherine wasn't as injured as you would expect, but she was reported to have bug bites all over her feet, which made them really swollen. And she had a lot of scratches from thorns, 
but nothing that would say that she walked 30 uh, miles <laughs> right in, in bare feet. Yeah. Further making this case fit into the missing 411 criteria, the area where the cave was had been searched multiple times and with tracking dogs, and no one ever said anything, and the dogs never hit. That must have been a huge search area, 30 miles away, like so yeah. thir- at least a 30-foot radius. Like, right. That's a wide search, right? 30-mile radius. Yeah. You said 30-foot, I think. Oh, 30 miles, sorry. <laughs> I mean, 30 foot is not going to find much. <laughs> You can barely get to the bathroom. With <laughs> Even then, I struggle to find it sometimes. <laughs> long episodes. Catherine said that she didn't remember much from the six days that she was missing. She said it was all a blur. She didn't say anything specifically about wild men or feral people, but there are some things that point towards someone maybe taking care of her while she was missing. Catherine said that she survived on berries. However, that area is filled with poisonous berries, and you'd have to be really experienced with that area to know which ones to eat and which ones not to. She also said that she slept in, quote, warm grass, but she never went into further detail or couldn't remember. Explain that. Someone obviously had her. She wasn't out in the elements for six days. Then why wouldn't she talk about it, and why couldn't she remember? It wiped her memory. Men in black style. Those little pen gimmick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell me Tommy Lee Jones had her. This whole time. It seems like some of that uh, Barney Hill style regression hypnotherapy might have been um, yeah. coming handy. At the case. very least, it'd be interesting to see what she had to say. Yeah. The berry thing, I guess, you know, there's obviously a chance that she would eat the right ones. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, but sleeping in warm grass is odd. Yeah. What? When was this? When did this take place? It's in Arkansas. It's 1946. Though, right? I don't think we had like a uh, date. Yeah. A time frame. Yeah. Could be warm, I guess, in Arkansas. It's like 200 degrees in the summer, right? Sounds about right. 300% humidity down there. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But it's just weird also that she like wouldn't talk about it. Like I, I would like to know more about that. Like if you're her family, yeah. you're going to be asking all kinds of questions. What is she saying? Like, oh, I don't know. No, it was just me. And did that ever change? Like, you know, as in five, 10 years, did she ever open up more? I'm sure they lost track of her and no one ever did follow up interviews or anything, but did she eventually come around? I wonder. I don't know. I don't have a good explanation. More questions than answers at this point. More questions than answers. It's all right. Ian's going to get us a good one that we have all the answers for. (laughs) I can feel it. The next one is Charles McCuller. In 1974, 19 year old Charles McCuller went on a cross-country trip to expand on his dream of being a professional photographer. He left his house in Virginia and stopped at multiple places along the way, but in January of 1975, Charles met up with a friend in Eugene, Oregon, and then went to Crater Lake National Park to take some pictures. Charles planned for this to be a two-day trip, and he took the necessary equipment he would need. Um, Charles knew what he was doing outdoors. Crater Lake's another one of those parks where there's tons of people disappear from there. I think on part two, we talked about somebody that went yeah. missing from Crater Lake. It's very frequent. I, I I looked at a couple of them. We got Samuel Belke, eight years old, 2006. Derek Engbritson, eight years old, 1998. Like, there's a lot of them. Like, way more than seems likely. Never found. People shouldn't go to Crater Lake. Stay away from there. Well, the next time I'm in Portland, I think I'd like to take a trip down the Crater Lake and see what's doing. Well, bye. <laughs> That's like doing a show on day. 
After the two days went by and Charles didn't show back up, his friends started to get worried. After the third day, his friend contacted the police and the rangers. Even in winter, this area was fairly busy with tourists, and authorities found witnesses who said that they had seen a man matching Charles's description in the Diamond Lake area, which is about 45 minutes away from Crater Lake. Other witnesses put Charles at Crater Lake, but said that he was headed towards a trail that had five feet of snow. Charles knew better than to try that route, so the theory was that maybe he realized that that snow was too deep, and then he changed his route. Seems hard to walk through five feet of snow. Yeah. Well, Ian, my and I, Ian and I did it that night. I tried to leave his house. <laughs> uh, that UFC. Had to walk through it and then dig my car out of it. And then he had to push me down the road. I did have to push you down the road for real, though. Look, we can debate the amount of snow all we want. But the one thing we can't debate is that that was the most, the manliest thing Ian and I have ever done. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I, I won't debate that. <laughs> I have done nothing since. In fact, that after that, I was like, I'm retired. I'm not doing any more, you know, no more physical labor for me. Man, yeah, you just had to keep stuff. driving through stop signs. Well, after time. we dug it out, yeah. you brought me those little kid gloves that I had to yeah. use. You probably look so manly in them, too. This picture somewhere. Uh, There's yeah. video as well. Once I got going, like I didn't want to stop because I knew I'd get stuck again. So I was like, oh, I'm going through every stop sign all the way home. Luckily, I was the only dipshit on the street that night. <laughs> and when I was like, fuck this, I'm staying in. It's two o'clock in the goddamn morning. I'm not watching men in, you know, Speedos fight each other in a cage. <laughs> so they organized a search party, which included Charles's father. But the snowdrifts would get up to 12 feet in this area. So a lot of the time searching wasn't possible. Oddly, the FBI got involved, which happened in one other case we talked about in the first Missing 411 episode. But usually outside law enforcement like that doesn't get involved. Well, the guy saying in the Matrix, don't give me none of that jurist my diction crap. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that at the beginning yeah. of the Matrix? Sorry, Mike. It's, it's one to throw in a Matrix. So if reference. it was the beginning, I might have seen it. Before, before you fell asleep there? Maybe. I don't remember. Four minutes. Charles's father basically moved to the area and kept searching, but once the snow melted, there was still no sign of Charles. Authorities started to believe that Charles had either gotten lost or just decided to leave like he ran away. His family and friends weren't buying that. Charles would run away because you know, he was happy with life, but maybe he did get lost. Authorities were also saying that, that there was no suspicion of foul play, which made Charles's loved ones question the FBI's involvement. The FBI doesn't get involved in missing persons cases. The only time that they offer to help is if someone's been kidnapped or murdered. Yeah, or if local authorities request their help because they don't feel like they can adequately. Right. So who knows? Yeah. A little over a year later, in October of 1976, two hikers found a ripped up backpack in an area that was 12 miles away from where Charles was last seen. The hikers turned the backpack into the rangers, and in the backpack, they found keys to a Volkswagen that Charles owned. Rangers immediately went to the area where the backpack was found, and after searching around, they found a pair of jeans laid out on a log. These jeans belonged to Charles, but they looked like they were in perfect condition, like they had not been sitting out in the elements for over a year. And even more weird, the jeans had Charles's socks sticking out of the ankles of the jeans. So, like, picture Charles is standing there with jeans, a fastened belt, socks on, no shirt, anything else. And then just, like, poof, he's gone. Like, he got raptured and went to heaven. Yeah. Just gone. 
And then there's just the Jinjis fall. <laughs> fall down right there. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Keeping this weirdness going, inside the socks, Charles's toe bones and fragments of his shin bones were found. But that was it. No other bones, no shirt, no boots, nothing else belonging to Charles. Rangers chalked it up to paradoxical undressing, which we've talked about in DL of Pass, is when people starting to get in those final stages of hypothermia. They feel like they're burning up, so they strip off their clothes. But that doesn't explain where all of his clothes went or where all of his bones went, but the case was closed. It sure as hell doesn't. Mm. This was the one that I talked about at the beginning of the episode where I said it hurt my head. This, trying to come up with how this would have played out right. hurts my head. This is feral people trolling. That's the only thing that really... They took the pants, the bones, you know, put it all back so that they could find it. That's my thought. Mm. Like, if someone murdered him there, they would have found more bones. It wouldn't have just been a couple bones. I'm not saying they murdered him there. I'm they saying were, if some yeah. normal person robbed him or tried to murder him there, doesn't the, the, the scene doesn't fit that. Not at all. And like, like Ian said, the pants looked, like, well-kept, not sitting out in the elements for a year. You know, bugs would have been inside of them. They'd have been deteriorating. They'd probably been soaking wet. Like someone had him in a cage or something for a year doing God knows what. And then. Or maybe he was already dead and they just had the, the clothes put away. Oh, man. <coughs> I'm like, oh, let's have some fun now. Let's put these right here near this trail. Mm. Why would there be accurate bones then still in the socks? Like the toe bones they kept the, the bones, bones and they knew what they were doing and just like, replace them, them in anatomically in the sock but just those couple but uh, this is weird it's where they really repl- where they, they were placed in there anatomically i just assumed they were just like thrown in the sock did the, the socks yeah I, the way i read it was anatomically like like he for real just like just gone. blinked out of existence yeah. and his, his toe his bones his were left behind bones were all still there and you know and <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. They could have. I, don't, I feel like that's a trolling incident. It sure does seem like it, right? Or just some At other kind of... makes the most sense to me. Yeah, or some other scenario where they want to throw you off of the trail. But if they hadn't found them in a year, like, what's the point of that? Yeah. Yeah, they're already off the trail. Right. You know, it's been a long time. They didn't catch you, whoever it was that, that took them or killed them or whatnot. Unless it's, you know, unless it's one of those serial killers that gets off about seeing his own crimes in the news... You know, who was it that we talked about that used to like watching the crime scene, like would hide in the bushes when like the um, authorities would like find one of his bodies? Peter Curtin. Yeah. That, yeah. So maybe it was someone who just got off on seeing like the victims in the news. Yeah. Or even the Kuklinski, like remember he froze him for two years and then took him out there to throw him off the trail. Yeah. Who knows? Well, he was the Iceman, Dave. Well, I cannot explain this. I can't even come up with a probable you know a plausible scenario to even put forth right to where this would be you're like oh that makes sense yeah Mm -mm. like okay yeah maybe he people do take their clothes off when they get hypothermia but that he wouldn't tuck his socks back in to his jeans and like it'd be really weird and if animals carry the bones off or something like you wouldn't find the pants like still just sitting there like that right? right yeah and wouldn't they have carried the bones off by then? All the of pants, them. Like, yeah. It all would have been gone. Yeah. yeah. like We're talking like when you're getting ready in the morning or something, you just lay your pants out on the bed. <laughs> like That's how they were on the log. Yeah. Someone placed them there. I mean, without a doubt. Right. Yeah. 
Who? And the FBI got involved in, on part one. We talked about that one where the FBI got involved and then they brought in uh, military people. Mm-hmm. And that was a theory was like um, that feral people were in the area and they needed to push them back into, you know, closer yeah. or farther yeah. into the forest. That was the Smoky Mountains one. Yeah. The National Guard was out. And the theory was that we, you know, the government's aware of them yeah. and pushes, you know, keeps them under control a bit. Which is just like that fucking American horror story last season about that. Remember that? The stories, like the single episode ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking terrifying. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Are they bringing that back? That was so good. I hope so. It was really good. Way better than the actual series. Yeah. I don't like the show itself, but those were really good. I agree. Because you don't have enough time to fuck it up. He's <laughs> yeah. giving you one off episodes. There were some really good ones. Yeah. When was that? Last year. Last fall? I think it I feel like it was last summer because then it led into the actual series. I say, it seems like it's been a while. Like August or September. Yeah. Hopefully they're coming up. Those are really I mean, cool. We could probably just look at Google and find out, but But it was about a little kid who just out with his dad and his parents and he just <laughs> fucking disappeared and well. Chaos ensues later when they come across them again. Things get terrifying and then it ends. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Relationships can take work, especially the most important one you can have in your life, your relationship with yourself. A lot of us will drop anything to go help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well. But how often do we give ourselves the same treatment? Whether it be exercising, putting down your phone for a while, having a chat with a close friend, or just simply taking a nap. We need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves, just as you would take care of a friend. And with that in mind, this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter just as much as everyone else does, and therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself. Your mental health should be taken seriously. Nothing can cripple your day or stunt your motivation more than feeling depressed, anxious, or sad. We all have a lot to deal with in our daily lives, be it the struggles of work, keeping food on your table, or even paying the bills. Your mental health is one area that you shouldn't have to worry about. Whether life currently has you down or you're feeling unfulfilled, we're all experiencing our own form of strain on our mental health. And for that, BetterHelp is here for us. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Necronomapod listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Necro. So give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. And thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. All right, let's talk about Aaron Hernandez. I mean, Aaron Hedges. (laughs) In September 2014, 38-year-old Aaron Hedges went out with his friends Greg Littner and Joe DePew on a hunting trip in the northern area of the Rocky Mountains called Crazy Mountains. Aaron was pretty much a professional elk hunter. Like with a lot of these stories, if you were going to trust your life with someone in the outdoors, Aaron Hedges was the guy. Like not the necro camp guides like you guys would be. Do you know how Uh, much fun that would be? (laughs) 
Oh, me and you leading yeah. the way? Like, oh, come on a camping adventure led by uh, Mike and Ian Namapod, <laughs> and uh, I'll take you on a guided tour, and you, you sit out under the lights, and uh, meanwhile, we'll just walk around like the metro parks, <laughs> and then we door dash to McDonald's to feed everybody. <laughs> Billy's like, can you guys show me how to pitch a tent? Guys, like, yeah, put on a sable bra and panty match. Yeah. Really, pitch a tent, Billy. Right, 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 look closely here. I'm going to show you how to pitch a tent. Now, watch now. <laughs> See, it's all about the mind control. Just got to focus on sable. <laughs> yeah, no, we all got rooms at the Motel 8. No, we're going to be staying down the street. You all got your own room. We splurged, got you the, the jacuzzis as well, guys. So, enjoy. That's not a bad camping gig. McDonald's right? will be delivered by 8 o'clock. <laughs> The group left Cottonwood Lake Trail on September 3rd, 2014 with two horses and a mule, and they were headed towards Campfire Lake. On September 5th, along the way, their mule got scared and bucked, which caused Aaron's sleeping bag to go flying over the trail. Like, this was pretty high up, you know, like a mountain kind of deal. Yeah. This is up in Montana, the crazy mountains. You been to Montana, Dave? Uh, I have not. Never. Got not even once. I got your beat on that one. Not even once. You were out there last year, weren't you? That was not last year. Montana? Where were you? Didn't you go somewhere out there? Oh, sir. Never mind. I, don't know. <laughs> I thought you were making a joke at first. I was like, oh, I'll wait for it. This is back when I did that cross-country <laughs> trip when I was like a kid. Oh. Were you I, planning a trip to Montana? No, Wyoming. I want to go back to Wyoming. Oh, this Wyoming. Fall. Yeah. I love Wyoming. Okay. It's the most gorgeous state, I think. I'm, I'm trying to go out to Cody, Wyoming for a weekend. Okay. You know, being Mr. Outdoors that I am. I hit up the bars and the uh, <laughs> the breweries out there, and I'll, I'll look at the mountains from my, you know, my lodgings. <laughs> no, Wyoming is where I want to go. Okay. I think you've not been to Wyoming, have you? I've not been up in that area at all. I no. think it is absolutely gorgeous. If I can buy a second house anywhere in the United States, I think it'd be Wyoming. Hmm. I would even skip the warm weather. I'd, I'd stick with the, the cold, but I just love it. That's cool. Any hoodle. Sorry. Didn't mean to. Uh, no, it's good. I can't remember if you were planning one or if you had went last year. I want to. Nothing's set yet. We'll see. Got a lot going on, dude. I'm just trying to keep up with your concert schedule you got for this year. It's good stuff. God, man. We are going to a lot of concerts. No, no, we are not, sir. <laughs> I kept mine at like two. Slipknot in a couple weeks. Yeah. You guys will have good seats for that one. That'll be good. Yeah, we got real good seats. Yeah. So Aaron's sleeping bag went flying over the trail. Aaron kept another hunting camp from the previous year that was full of supplies in case of an emergency. And there was an extra sleeping bag there. So Aaron headed towards that camp at Sunlight Lake. Like we said earlier, Aaron was a very experienced outdoorsman and he had a walkie talkie, a cell phone, gun and a bow on him. So his friends weren't worried about him going alone. And that's how you know you're an experienced outdoorsman when you have a whole second camp from the year before right. that's intact that you can just go to. <laughs> just in case. Yeah. Still stocked with like SpaghettiOs and Miller Lite and like just everything you need. Yeah. This wasn't a super long distance away and his friends expected Aaron to be back that night. When he didn't show up, they thought that he might have just decided to spend the night at the other camp. However, when morning came around and Aaron still wasn't back, they tried to call him on his cell phone and the walkie-talkie but they got no response. The walkie-talkie had a GPS system, so Greg and Joe could see at minimum where Aaron's walkie-talkie was. There was a fork in the trail, and Aaron didn't go the way that he was supposed to, which was odd. 
because like we said, he had a separate camp or a second camp here. He was very familiar with the area. Um, so him taking the wrong split in the fork is, is weird. Like someone could have been carrying him, dragging him. Maybe. It's not something an experienced outdoorsman with a second camp, as you said, would do. Right. Just very unlikely. Like you have a, a split in the road. Like, yeah, he's like, oh, which way, which way is this camp? Yeah. I don't remember. Not likely. Or maybe he was not of sound mind. Hmm. Like intoxicated I don't or know. mental breakdown or hit his head. Kind of I don't thing. know. Hit his head injury. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just, you know, throwing out yeah. options here. The GPS signal from Aaron's walkie talkie put him at the very edge of the screen that Greg and Joe could see. But after another day of waiting for Aaron to show back up, he was reported missing on September 8th. A search was organized that consisted of horses, 20 tracking dogs and helicopters using infrared, but they weren't able to find Aaron. On the second day of the search, volunteers found a creek east of Sunlight Lake where Aaron attempted to start a fire with a pack of cigarettes. Do you think they waited too long to call in that he was missing? They really... Uh, like if it was you guys, I would have called like after 17 minutes. Yeah. yeah these guys are missing. Sure. But he, him, you know. He's experienced. Right. They were, still, I think they think were giving him a little more than the benefit of doubt. Which makes sense, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like... He doesn't seem like a guy you need to worry about, so you're like, eh. Look, if we went camping and I had to take a piss, you're tying a string to my wrist. (laughs) (laughs) If that string, you know, goes limp, call authorities. Right. Like, Like Mike's been gone 17 minutes. He's obviously (laughs) deceased at this point. Yeah. Like one of those kid leashes. That's right. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like a book bag with the little leash on it. Yeah. He didn't take any beers with him. He's been gone 17 (laughs) minutes. There's no way he's alive. Someone killed him. Yeah. (laughs) Along with the fire that he tried to start with a pack of cigarettes, they also found Aaron's water bottle, straps from his backpack, which were like the, um, not the over the shoulder ones, but the ones around the waist that would look like those ones were ripped off. And his boots were sitting neatly next to the water bottle and straps. Like Aaron just took off his boots and set them nicely on the ground. Again, like with a lot of these cases, these items were found in an area where multiple volunteers searched the day before. After this, the search stalled and eventually it was scaled back. I looked up the the temps in September in the Crazy Mountains. Average lows only 38 in September. It's not terrible. Yeah. It's not even freezing, so it's not that cold. Still cold, but not, right. yeah. you know, 10 degrees cold. Right. Fast forward to June of 2015. Roger Beslanowicz was visiting relatives at Rain Anchor Ranch, and one afternoon he was walking around the property when up on a ridge he spotted something. He walked up there, and Roger found a backpack, and inside the backpack was a cell phone, an orange hunting vest, a bow, clothes, some empty power bar wrappers, and Aaron Hedges' hunting license. Even weirder, a little bit further up the ridge, sitting perfectly on a rock, was Aaron's thermos and an empty energy can drink that Aaron was known to drink. Almost a year later. Yeah, just sitting there. Mm. Roger reported what he had found, but again, the case went cold. A year later, the skeletal remains of Aaron were found about a mile away from where Roger found the backpack so breaking it down aaron's boots were found six miles away from where he was last seen in the wrong direction 
His backpack was found 15 miles away from where he was last seen. And his remains were found 16 miles away from where he was last seen. And it was all like this progressive, just out. Mm. Straight line out. And the energy drink is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Unless could that have been back at his camp from like the year before? Yeah. But why would it just be sitting on a rock like that? Even the smallest of wind would knock it over at some point. Right? Yeah. You would think it snowed and shit since yeah. then. Right. We're talking like nine months later. So was this a linear line then? Six miles, 15 miles, 16 miles. So he lost stuff progressively as he. Hmm. You could. Yeah. If this was if he was actually moving this whole time, mm-hmm. he would have yeah been losing things. Mm. this is another one that was chalked up to stripping his clothes off when he got hypothermia but like why just put your shoes down nice and neat you wouldn't just take your shoes off and then keep walking Mm. in the the area that he was in i saw pictures of it like above shots like you wouldn't get very far barefoot the way that as far as he traveled trying to think through this i don't know could be them trolling again. So he's probably dressed for the daytime, September. It's probably warmer. He had probably night clothes, warmer stuff for the nighttime in his bag. He got thrown over the trail. So he's got to go back to his other camp. Does he somehow, like you said, maybe hit his head, get disoriented, can't get back to the other camp to get his you know backup bag, warm clothes for the night? That makes sense for like the immediate. Yeah. But, but what, what, what a year later? Yeah. I, you can't get there. Like he's gonna come to come to like you're not you don't just become like a mountain man. Yeah, and it's only you know it's not that cold, unless it was unseasonably <laughs> cold that year, like 38. It's not that cold. Like a guy like that is gonna be able to start a fire. Yeah, right. For sure. I would hope so. Yeah. I think you're trying to make sense of something that you you I, really can't. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't understand how he would get another what seven miles further with no boots on seems tough and it's like very mountain it's not just like yeah walking a trail a it's paved like, path right yeah could he have had another pair of boots <clears throat> we just never found that's possible who knows where's the camp in relation to all this like he he took the wrong fork in the road right so i assume right. it's the other direction from that fork in the road he never made it there to get right up like stuff. The, the fork in the road it was like he should have went left when he went right. Yeah, and so he just started the opposite direction. Yeah. Much like Ian trying to walk home from someone's house drunk. <laughs> well, I see a stoplight. <laughs> Can you imagine a missing 411 with him? Like, it made no sense either. Like, we'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. How did you end up on a main road? Dude, this is three miles from your house. You shared a backyard with this guy. If there were no cell phones, like when something like that happened, I'd probably just sit down after a bit and be like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to sit here for a while. Cops will find me in the morning. (laughs) Just trying to figure it out a little bit. I'm in Oklahoma. How did that happen? (laughs) It's like he literally shared a backyard with those people. Our mutual friend. And you, you ended up a mile and a half down the road. Yeah. This is so great. I mean, for me, it was, but I was on my couch when you called. Probably was a little scary for you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I'm I'm, I'm looking at a stoplight. We live like in a straight residential like development. There are no stoplights. (laughs) You have made it to a main street. (laughs) 
the second time I got really lost wasn't fun, but I was in trouble with wasn't that the uh, one my wife you were in the call you were in the call the sack right I don't remember I just remember that I I saw Howard Hannes I'm like well I know that there's no houses for sale by my house right now so I'm I'm lost at this point <laughs> I think that's when he was in uh, the call the sack like you literally just went left instead of right probably when you were supposed to turn well, you were on the phone with him because uh, I see her never mind yeah. I think Angie came out of the house like, you fucking asshole, I'm right here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I hear her, so you're close to home. But yeah. It's like he was in the cul-de-sac, like didn't know how to get out. Like, we'll just follow the sidewalk. Eventually, it's going to take you right out. <laughs> Palace, it all is the same in and out. Just, just follow the road and the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying like, so Howard Henderson, I was like, all right, yeah. I don't know, man. Are there any houses for sale by you? You're like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so. I don't know, man. We should have put an extra story in here. Tonight, but, oh, we found this other case. So it's kind of by us in, in Ohio. <laughs> Can't you do a thing on your phone? Like you can drop a pin and like send it to someone. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why don't we ever do that? Um, I could have been like, dude, turn left, walk three steps. There's your driveway. <laughs> You're like, home. Oh, God damn. Thanks, pal. <laughs> <laughs> he's like lay, he's laying in his flower bed i don't know where i am man i'm so lost <laughs> yeah there was company over for that i like kind of embarrassed my wife on that one for which one uh when i got lost by the howard hannah thing oh i didn't know that yeah <laughs> sorry, sorry pal <laughs> tough day yeah She's having a girls' night. She's got to go out and find her idiot husband around the corner. <laughs> that is what happened. Yeah, she was. She had a friend over, and they were like supposed to be having a good time. <laughs> oh, sounds fun to me. <laughs> Ian hunting. <laughs> well, I don't know. I can't fucking explain this guy. It's the last person you would expect something like this to happen to, right? And shit can go south for people. Yeah, you know, things happen. I read there was a lot of black bears and mountain lions on Crazy Mountain, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that but to it could find have been some attacked. Of the stuff like this though is weird. It's weird. And that line and his boots nice and neat. That's weird. I guess a bear could have could have carried his book bag that far, but why would they? You know, yeah. wouldn't it have signs of being carried, like you know, drug to the ground, teeth marks? Yeah, because dug through. Well, I was going to say, like, they have the um, the granola bars that were in the bag, but those were, the bag was zipped closed when it was found. It was already closed. Mm. You know, it wasn't open, and the, the wrappers were already emptied. Like, a bear would get in there for sure. Oh, yeah. Over the food. I shred it. Yeah. I like watching those videos of <laughs> bears getting in the refrigerators and stuff. Just <laughs> fucking them up. Destroying the all. <laughs> all right. I don't have a good explanation. I don't know. Chalk this one up to we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is Dr. James McGrogan. On Friday, March 14th, 2014, a group of friends left for a hike at 8.30 a.m. in Vail, Colorado. You ever been to Vail, Mike? I have. <laughs> I've been to Colorado. I've not been to Vail. <laughs> Look, pal, I just assume you've been everywhere. If I can get you one or, once or twice, that's a big day. I I. I drove through there in the winter one time and it is scary up in those fucking mountain roads, man. Really? Holy shit. Oh yeah. I like Colorado, but I've never really spent time there. I really like Colorado too. Let's just go. We should just go do a trip all through those States. Let's do Idaho, Montana, the Dakotas, Wyoming, Colorado. 
I'm going to go to Utah, but <laughs> sure. We'll just circle on back. Yeah. Like I've been hiking up in the Rocky Mountains there in Colorado. I didn't say anything about hiking, pal. <laughs> We're just passing through. <laughs> I'm just going to stay at some good hotels. Soft hiking on kind of some yeah. of the paved roads. Like we're going from bar to bar. <laughs> you want to wear hiking shoes, you wear hiking shoes. So one of the people on this hike was 39-year-old emergency room doctor from Indiana named Dr. James McGrogan. They were headed to Camp Hale, which is a group of huts far into the mountains that are temporary shelters for hikers or campers. The group set off on their hike up towards a hut called Eisman Hut, which sits on a steep ridge and is a popular spot because of the view that it has of the Rocky Mountains. From where they started, the hike is a nine-mile trail through steep terrain, and the hut is considered a bucket list challenge for hikers. Bucket list? More like suck it list. <laughs> you want to go hike nine miles? Uh, no, you can suck it. <laughs> I'm about to drive nine miles if I don't have to. <laughs> exactly. Dr. McRogan was experienced in the outdoors, and with him, he had a cell phone, basic medical supplies, a sleeping bag, avalanche beacon, GPS, warm clothing, and plenty of food and water. So everything you should have. He has everything you should have yeah. prepared 100% across the board. Just like Aaron Hedges had all that GPS <laughs> stuff. Right. At approximately 10 a.m., the group was around five miles from their destination and stopped to take a rest. Then shortly after that, Dr. McGrogan said that he was going to look ahead a bit and that he would meet up with them down the trail. Not long after, Dr. McGrogan was out of sight. The rest of the group continued on, but they didn't see him anywhere. And upon reaching the hut, there was still no sign of him. The group called his name, but there was no response. And after there was a search of the area, they could see no sign of Dr. McGrogan. Again, like we talked about earlier, you would if something happened. If you got attacked, if you fell, if you whatever, you think somebody would have heard something. Heard he something, wasn't four miles ahead. Seen signs of a struggle or something. Distress. It's this Blood. vanishing into thin air stuff that's really mind boggling. Yeah, it really is hard to comprehend. And like wrap your head around it. Like, mm -hmm. like this is real stuff we're talking about. This isn't like, oh, hypothetically or allegedly. Like this is stuff that actually, you know, these people disappear. Yeah. It happens a lot. And yet people still go hiking every day. Day in and day out. Yeah. It's on their bucket list. Yeah. Watch this go, uh, you know, hitchhike on the 404 in California or something. 405, <laughs> excuse me. Whatever that fucking highway is out there. After spending the rest of the day searching for Dr. McGrogan and finding no trace of him, they contacted authorities to report him as missing. A search was launched and the area was thoroughly searched for five days by people on foot, snowmobile, and helicopters, but there was no sign of Dr. McGrogan, and they were forced to call off the search when winds became too dangerous. Two weeks later, two skiers happened to stumble across Dr. McGrogan's body lying face down four and a half miles from the trail he had been seen on and in an area that had been searched multiple times. An autopsy showed the official cause of death was trauma caused by a fall, but aside from the fact that he was four miles away in the wrong direction, Dr. McGrogan's shoes were missing and were never found, and his GPS device was still fully functional, so it makes no sense why no one could find his body. Mm. So during the search, they knew he had the GPS, and it, the device wasn't pinging back, right? Right. But when they found him, it's like, oh, this thing works fine. It should have been working. Mm, I don't know. 
And like if you slipped on a hill or something, you know which way you're going, right? It doesn't make sense that you would be four miles back the other way. Right? Right. Right. Well, especially for experienced people like this. Yeah. In the way that at least that I read it was that he just walked ahead a bit and was like, hey, I'm going to check out up here, see what the rest of the trail's looking yeah, like. Right. So. And also didn't have his shoes with him. You're not going to do that with no shoes. <sighs> hmm. Or like the shoes, or if he fell, the shoes slipped off as he was going on the hill or something. But they were never found, the shoes. Yeah, but hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, it's going to be gravity, at least. Like the shoes are going to fall to some extent. How long was this when they found his body? Two oh, weeks later. Two weeks, yeah. It's getting a little repetitive, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why these are so weird. The next one is Christopher Tompkins. On January 25th, 2002, 20-year-old Christopher Tompkins got up and left for his job as a surveyor at 10 a.m. This was a four-man surveyor team, so Christopher showed up for work, and the four-man went out into the woods off Highway 85 in Ellerslie, Georgia. The four-men were spaced 50 feet apart and moved forward in a line through the forest. Christopher was last in line, but he was talking to the guy in front of him, then the guy in front of Christopher turned around because Christopher all of a sudden stopped talking and he was just gone. Like he vanished into thin this air. This one's fucking weird, man. I don't know. It's like the Jeepers Creepers guy swooped down and yeah. grabbed him and flew away. Just snags him. Yeah. The guy called out to the others and they searched the area, but all they found was one of Christopher's work boots hanging from a barbed wire fence that stretched through the area with no sign of the other boot or Christopher. In a patch of grass next to the boot were his work tools, a blue fiber from his work pants, and 12 cents. At 1 p.m., around four hours after his disappearance, one of the surveyors called their boss to say that Christopher had vanished. And Christopher's mother was not told about what had happened until 4.15 p.m. Even then, she was told that they had to wait 24 hours for the police to do anything. And when the authorities finally stepped in, they weren't able to find any clues as to what happened to Christopher. A more intensive search was launched, but nothing turned up until months later when the missing work boot was found on the private property of a man who lived about a mile from where Christopher had gone missing. That's it. Never found. Yeah. The, the amount of time that passed between people being notified of something going wrong. Seems strange. It's weird. That maybe leads you to believe like maybe something happened out in the woods. Did they ever look at the other three surveyor mem crew members and it was just ruled out as nothing. Mm. I, <laughs> I mean, that certainly would be the most realistic answer, right? And we don't have any information to suggest that they were in any way not. involved, but it seems like, I don't know. We don't have any really good information. Yeah. So when they don't call their boss for four hours, seems odd. That's weird. Like he disappears when you're behind, when he's 50 feet behind you, like, all right, you go look around for a little bit, but not for four hours. Yeah, four hours is a long time. Or do you, are you just like, eh, motherfucker, quit. Yeah, maybe went home or yeah. like, you know, let's go get our job done. I guess he quit or yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I didn't even think of it that way. Like, all right, he left. I guess we're just going to keep doing it. Like was he's only 20 years old. Was the rest of the crew like young and inexperienced and 
kids essentially. I don't know. I'd be curious, yeah, like, I mean, what I'm, the police interviews with the with the other three crew members sounded like, or or what they had to say, which I don't think is available. But probably berated them like, uh, what was it, fire in the sky? Is that the one they get in the lie detector test? Yeah, yeah. It was a Travis Walton. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. What do you mean he just disappeared? That's a good movie. Where'd you guys bury him? <laughs> that movie is absurd. Mm. <laughs> I like that one. The last one is uh, Thomas Messick. On November 15th, 2015, 82-year-old U.S. Army vet Thomas Messick went on a hunting trip with six of his friends in Lake George Wild Forest near Horicon, New York. The plan was for the younger hunters... I thought that was a, um, a <laughs> gathering of prostitutes. <laughs> Horicon. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, and I was like, eh, how do I say this, though? <laughs> Welcome to Horicon. <laughs> you want pussy? You're in the right place. This is Horicon. Live from Lake George Wild Forest. It's Horicon. You want double anal? We got that. You want bukkake? We got more bukkake than you can handle in a lifetime. This is Horicon. <laughs> I think we need to make this happen. <laughs> Can we book some space? Exclusive invites. Forest? Yeah. You're not Horicon material. <laughs> yeah. Please submit your resume and a tape. <laughs> Men and women both. We're not excluding. We if never. If you're a man horse, send us your tape. We'll watch it. You might make the main stage. <laughs> <laughs> so the plan was for the younger hunters of the group to circle around a lake called Brant Lake and drive the deer towards the other members of the group who had taken up positions to hunt. Thomas was one of the men waiting, but when no deer showed up, the group went to meet at a predetermined location and Thomas didn't show up to that location. Thomas had a walkie-talkie and was in contact with the group the whole time, but he never said a word, and when they tried to communicate with him, all they heard was static. When they went to his position, Thomas was nowhere to be seen, and even though he was elderly, blind in one eye, and had bad hearing, Thomas was a survivalist and a really experienced hunter, so it was thought that maybe he just got a little lost. The other members of the group fired their rifles in the air and honked their horns to get Thomas's attention, but when there was no sign of him, they reported him as missing. I mean, is it generally a good idea for uh, an old guy blind in one eye and can't hear to have a gun? I don't know. I'm, asked, I'm just asking. There's interviews with his sons because one. Of, I'm pretty sure one of his sons was on this trip. Um, this was in the Hunter 411 movie, right? Was it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. That's probably then that's is where that I saw that. Or? Yeah, like okay. the second missing 411 documentary. I remember this one. Yeah, he was just still very competent with the okay, gun. I understand. I'm, I'm just asking. It's like, Grandpa? Oh, <laughs> I thought you were a deer, Sonny. <laughs> Dick Cheney shot uh, one of his friends, right? That's right. Yeah, pretty sure he did. Yeah. What were they, they were hunting some kind of birds, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was just bird shots, so the guy got lucky. <laughs> he fucking yeah. like shot him right in the back or whatever. In an ear, right? Like, didn't it swipe the side of his his head really i think so i think it did but it was just bird shot so he had pulled some pellets out of the side of his head <laughs> no big deal 
Toughen up, soldier. Get back out there. A search involving more than 300 people from multiple agencies used dogs, divers, and helicopters with infrared cameras, um, but they could find no sign of Thomas. The search went on for three weeks, but nothing was found. And this is another weird one where the FBI got involved four days after Thomas had gone missing. Regarding this, Thomas's wife said, quote, The FBI told me something isn't right with this case, but they don't know what. They won't share any theories if they have them. The FBI said until they make a discovery, they're never going to know. One of the members of the group said the whole trip was just really odd. Uh, first, he said that they didn't hear any animals, like the whole forest was empty. Second, he said that he heard a weird cracking sound right before the time frame that Thomas would have disappeared. He said, quote, I heard a strange noise in the woods, but I don't know what it was. Just a different noise from what I usually hear. It'd be hard to explain because it was different. Something different that I'd never heard before in the woods. I can't say what it was, you know. This was up towards the hill, the top of the hill. I don't know exactly what that means. I was looking into this and I did find that a person named Fritz Drum, also an older gentleman who lived on his own 150 acre property about an hour south of here, also disappeared nine days later and was never seen again. Really? Yes. In Saratoga, New York. It's a trend. It's odd, right? Yeah. He just went out like his car was theirs. Everything was there. And these are two capable, experienced men. Yeah. I mean, he, this guy's older, but Fritz was 68. It's not that old. Sounds pretty young to me about this time now. <laughs> <laughs> well, 68, this guy was 82, and this guy had what? You know, blind in one eye, couldn't hear. But right. if you're still experiencing the outdoors, yeah, I mean, that, sure, that goes. Sure. He's going to do better than Ian and I would do still. For sure. Oh, no no question. To blindfold that guy completely, and he's still going to live longer than us. Yeah. He probably cut both his arms and legs off. Better than you guys would. Uh, that's a first statement. <laughs> you can't. I mean, what do you say to that? That's true. But yeah, very similar scenario there. Nine days later, also never found. It's very odd. Yeah. And you know, we we talk a lot about serial killers and their mo and whatnot, and how a lot of them prey on you know sex workers and other people might not be missed. They don't. These guys don't generally fall into that category of people who are targeted, right? Like maybe for robbery, but not for something like like a thrill kill kind of thing like this where I know sense. I know that there's theories that Israel Keys could be responsible for a handful of missing four oh one cases. Yeah. Cause he didn't really have a, a victim type. He just kind of opportunity. Yeah. But imagine That's like a good point. Would your victim type ever be the experienced rugged outdoorsman <laughs> probably not that's a great yeah. one to go after unless you're just challenging yourself i mean unless you're one of them yourself yeah. yeah and you're like you know you know killing kids or women's not really a challenge to me right yeah i don't know going most dangerous game style except they don't know it <laughs> right it's not very fair in my opinion i, I yeah we talk about alien abductions and it just seems like some of these seem like long-term abductions, you know? I mean, it's probably, or not even probably, it would have to be possible if alien abductions are real and all those medical tests and stuff are real. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, they have to fuck up, right? Sure, especially with older people yeah, not able to bring them back. I don't think that would account for all of these, but 
Some of them, maybe. Yeah. Like that little girl. Where the fuck was that little girl at? And that goes to like the argument of like, oh, why don't they show up in New York City? Or if people say, well, why don't they abduct the president or whatever? Mm. Technically, I mean, an everyday person can go missing. Can't fucking abduct the president and then sure. accidentally kill the president. Right. <laughs> you know Somebody I mean? might notice. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's yeah, not the I'm, most ridiculous of uh, theories. It's not. I, I don't know how you would explain all these. Well, David Politis has done over 2,000 of these. 2,000 have no logical answer. And I was reading more of the skeptic stuff this time. And most of them were saying, like, David Politis just picks and chooses cases. And, like, that's fine if you want to make that argument that he just picks and chooses to make a phenomena. But they happened. But even right. one of these, you <laughs> yeah, have to explain. Right. You're not, it doesn't change the facts of the cases. You He's know. working with outliers, sure, but that's what we're talking about, right? Right. That's the biggest, one of the that, biggest arguments you know. is like, oh, he just picks and chooses what to cover. Well, okay, motherfucker. Well, then explain <laughs> one of the ones he picks and chooses. Yeah. Not you. You're not the motherfucker <laughs> in this situation. And then that bullshit where he was part of the Bigfoot group. Yeah, Doctor. He lost Ketchum. a lot of credibility. Yeah, right, right. We talked about Melba Ketchum on our episode. That's right. Isn't there? We looked at a, a map, an overlaid map of national parks versus the underground cave system in this country, right? When, yeah, wasn't it pretty spot on? Like, if the feral people living underground kind of thing was actually possible, yeah, it lined up. Can you imagine if there's just societies down there? Yeah, I could. Like, isn't there a society of underground people in New York City? Like, under the subways and stuff? Yeah. yeah. That's real. Like, they lived on there for generations, But now right? I'm talking backwoods feral people. Yeah. Right? You know, maybe you've never seen the light of day. Yeah, generations of people. Yeah. Well, a lot of these national parks, they kicked the people out that were living there to form these parks. It makes sense that people are like, fuck you, we're not leaving and went underground, yeah. right? That's not that crazy. To Look, I think feral people for me is where my mind goes for most of these. I think I believe that maybe even more so than alien abductions. We well, you know you get into like um, uh, Hopkinsville Goblin. Remember we covered that in Kentucky. Yeah, yeah stuff like that. And uh, just a lot of paranormal stuff around mine shafts or or caves people say like they hear a baby crying and it gets chalked up it's like a ghost type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Or, and with Hopkinsville, there's a lot of lore with those mine shafts. What if it's just feral people? Yeah. It would not surprise me at all to learn that there were bands of feral people living underground in all these national park systems. Would not surprise me in the least. I, I think I agree. And, you know, we didn't talk about it today, but the, the last episode, we covered actual encounters with feral people. One of the rangers ran into a guy. Yeah. Remember that? Another guy was deer hunting and he... He thought it say, was Bigfoot. Yeah, like he shot a deer and like uh like some sort of humanoid was went up to the deer, right? And he looked at it through his scope and it was a man. A man. And he thought about shooting it, but he it resembled a man. And then the man called out and he heard a call back from like whistling up in the mountains. He's like, Yeah, I'm getting the fuck out yeah. of here. Smart. Yeah. Very similar to the audio we listened to earlier. Exactly like the audio, yeah. So, I mean, there's documented cases of people running into people out there. It all fits. Just fucking stay in your house. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't, don't need what to the go big out. Hoopla is about going out in all these places. <laughs> Just watch a TV show about it. Right. Live vicariously. <laughs> yeah. Stay safe. Do a weed. Do some alcohols. Order yourself a, a pizza. And just fucking watch other people, you know, put their lives in danger. I watch all those animal shows, wildlife shows. Yeah. I just do it from my couch. <laughs> I've been in a lot of national parks in it. Like I've been in Death Valley and Rocky Mountains and the Smoky Mountains. And I just can't imagine coming across fucking wild people out there. That is just terrifying. They just grab yeah. you off a fucking trail. And you can do nothing. Oh my god! Yeah, like what do they do with you afterwards? What do they do with you? Right? Are you their toy? Are they keep, you they food? Keep good care of your pants, right? Apparently, they, they press them and put them yeah. back. Like I just <laughs> your keep, bones uh, might be still in them, but oh, they're gonna get put back nicely. Like I picture fucking wrong turn or hills have eyes, people. Right? They would have to snag women though, right? Oh. For yeah, breeding purposes, sure. I don't know. It's just a large number of people. I mean, we've done a lot of, you know, what have we done? 15, 20 cases. There's hundreds of them. Yeah. If not thousands. Well, the 2000 alone that David Politis has researched. Yeah. At like least a lot of people just to account, you know, that doesn't seem you can account for just people falling off the trail or sliding down a hill and getting lost. And it seems like a yeah, lot more like that. than that. Not when you're finding their stuff still looking relatively new, you know, a year later. That might be the weirdest part of all of this. The clothes in perfect condition a year right. later out in the elements clearly indicates somebody was holding them for exactly. this time. Yeah, something happened. Clearly. Right. That's, that's the thing that was hurting my head over uh, yeah. Charles's case. There's no other explanation. Right. Like, how, how do you explain those genes? Yeah. You don't. Yeah. We don't have a lot of answers here tonight. Yeah, we're just all creeped out. Yeah. A lot of spine tingling, though, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, I think people like this shit, though. They get into this. Just stay home, though. That's all you got to do. Yeah, go ahead and cancel your uh, next hiking getaway or camping trip, unless you're going, like, in a big, like, motor home or something. Right. That's the way to do it. Take your motor, motor home to uh, Horicon. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should pull this off. Uh, we could probably do something big with that. You want your slut to get dicked out on the stage in front of a bunch of Horicon fans? Take him to Horicon. <laughs> That's a good town name. I got to visit Horicon someday. <laughs> Was that New York? Mm, yeah. yeah, it's upstate, like uh, by the Vermont, close to Vermont border. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that. Yeah, this is a no answers kind of show. It's more yeah. like a crazy storytelling. I have no fucking it. idea what's going on here. They'll like it. Yeah, it's weird. It's like you're telling a scary story. That's real. But it's real. Yeah, yeah. right. Like how we do our creepy pasta ones and like yeah, we find right. like six stories and read them. Like, oh, this one sounds good. Yeah. Except they're not made up. All right. We got some patron shout outs. Thank you very much to Ashlyn, Leslie Melcher, Samantha Davis, Caitlin Lillies, Alex Boggs, Austin Sumner, Cynthia Walker, Lisa Colgan, Nathan Strong, Alish Otzel, Hunter Carter, Red Salmon 101, 
Fat girls need love too. Goddamn right they do. <laughs> Benjamin <laughs> Oglesby, M. Thornton, Kate M., Carly Avilas, Victor M., Tammy Diaz, Caitlin Lyles, Amanda Saylor, Cole Furry, Claudia C. Alonzo, Kim Kelman, Kraken, H-Bomb, John Nelson, Megan Russell, Carly Bergendahl, Jacqueline P., Tickle Me Mike, Connor Faint, Chase Eckert, Eva Laska, Amber Is My Energy, Jaina Ford, Mike Hawkburns, Kyle Atwood, Linda Lobotson, Blumpkin Enthusiast, Whitney Carnes, Lori Simon, Grar, Misty Scott, Tina Kemper's Dartboard, Kirsten Laffler, Haley Keller, Kirsty Smith, Alexander Liker, and Chris Nix. Thank you very much. We're at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got? Four iTunes have one for Fat Boy Slim 97. Samantha loves Dave. Of course she does. <laughs> Faith in VB. Dirt Shredathon. JD Direct 87. DNB 1995. G Man Brad. And Aaron Marie F. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. A lot of good reviews lately, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Thanks. Nothing bad recently. Mm-mm. Dave, what do you got? I don't have anything. Good show, guys. Yeah. Creepy. I have nightmares tonight. You don't have to, guys. Just stay inside. Like, don't do stupid shit. It's good advice, Mike. Yeah. Very simple. Close your blinds and don't do stupid shit. You'll be fine. <laughs> in life. In life in general. This is the office. Uh, you know what? Dwight. He's like, I think to myself, is that something that an idiot would do? And if it is, I would not do that thing. <laughs> I was thinking about Dwight quite a bit during this episode when we're now Michael does the survivor man. Yeah. And Dwight's just watching him the whole time. And he's then got the scope on him. Yeah. <laughs> tackles him when he's trying to eat the mushrooms. Fucking cuts off his pant legs. Yeah. <laughs> Puts it, wears it as a do-rag or a snack. Right. And then it gets cold. So he tapes him back onto his legs. <laughs> that would be me. Camping. <laughs> You want to know, here's a little fun tidbit we'll slip in at the end here. Recently, I had Campbell's version of SpaghettiOs with meatballs. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Yeah, I didn't know that either. And I tell you this. Uh Uh-oh. They might be better than Chef. Wow. All right. I'm going to do a side-by-side taste test at some point. Mm. And just really be a fat piece of shit that day. Oh, you're just going to do that, like, by yourself? Oh, yeah. I'm oh. not going to include anyone. I'm not going to, like, I thought you meant, watch. I don't want to share my shame with anyone. Yeah, I, know. I thought this was going to be, like, a public. You want me to do, like, an Insta story? Yeah. Or something? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Hell no. But Campbell's was not bad. Mm. Chef Boyardi is a uh, Cleveland hero, though. Um, well, and, and I will always still go back. All right. I don't know. I did not expect it. Wow. I remember picking up the can, like, what is this generic bullshit? And I was like, oh, that's Campbell's. <laughs> Campbell's is not necessarily generic bullshit. <laughs> so anyways, I don't know. Mm. I don't even know if they make the ravioli or the beefaroni, but. I'm curious to hear this. Uh, yeah. I would say, here. listeners, let us know what you think, but no one out there eats this shit. This is just me. <laughs>
anyways. So that's what I had. It was a big week for me. That's what I had going on. Um, anything else? We're good? I think we're good. I think we're good. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod, Amazon.com. Search Necronomapod for all of our uh, clothing merch, Necronomapod.com. we got stickers available. And uh, Patreon.com slash Necronomapod for uh, the bonus content. Um, remember, if you're on the Patreon app or website, we will not come up in the search bar if you uh, type in Necronomapod because we are listed as adult content. So you have to type in the actual Patreon.com slash Necronomapod address. That's it. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>